You're listening to Think Big, episode 31. Hello, big thinkers, and welcome to episode 31 of Think Big, English for Architects. I'm your host, Tara Cull, Australian language teacher, coach, and landscape architect. And I'm bringing all these things together to help you build more outstanding communication skills. If English is your second language and you're an architect, a landscape architect, interior designer, student, or you work in the built environment, then you're in the right place. To find out more about my coaching programs, go to archieenglish.com. And as always, you'll find the free transcript with key vocabulary, grammar points, and expressions at archieenglish.com slash podcast. So let's get into today's topic, the stunning green roofs in Paris. If you've been following the news, you'll have heard that Paris has made a new law to promote sustainability in the city. This law says that all commercial buildings must have green roofs that are at least 30% covered with plants or solar panels. This is a huge and exciting step towards improving air and water quality in the city, combating pollution, and can help tackle city heat zones and provide shade. In this episode, we're going to find out more about green roofs, why they're so popular, and how they can benefit the environment. Then we'll look at some of the projects happening in Paris and whether this could encourage other countries around the world to follow suit and do the same. Why has the French government taken this groundbreaking step? The truth is, climate change is accelerating at a worrying rate. According to a UN report from September this year, greenhouse gas concentrations continue to reach record highs, and the past seven years have been the warmest on record. And we're seeing more floods, droughts, heat waves, extreme storms and wildfires than ever before. That's why individuals, businesses, industries and governments around the world are focusing on how we can reduce the impact that humans have on the environment so we can protect the future of our planet as best we can. Within architecture, sustainability, responsible use of materials, the reduction of waste, biophilic design, and the inclusion of green roofs are some of the ways we are fighting back. However, these green roofs are so much more than just an attempt to combat climate change. They also provide homes to local wildlife, benefit the community, and welcome natural beauty into our urban landscapes. And this is why Paris and the new law in France suggest that if a building meets certain requirements, it must include a green roof that are at least 30% covered with plants or solar panels. And this will apply to buildings in commercial zones. So this is great for Paris because it means it's going to be working towards a greener future. While the proposal initiated by the French environmental activists was for roofs to be completely covered by greenery, the government decided that to ease costs to businesses, roofs must be partially covered to at least 30%, with greenery instead of fully covered. Now, I think France is on the right track, and I would love to see more countries like Australia get their act together and follow suit. Do you know much about what is happening in the place that you live or where you're from? In the city of Melbourne, there are currently about 40 green roofs covering five hectares, which compared to other cities is not very much. 
Toronto has around 500 green roofs and Munich has 300 hectares of green roofs. So I thought the introduction of this new law in France would be a good opportunity to introduce some vocabulary around green roofs and to briefly discuss some current projects since it's a very topical debate at the moment. Let's start by looking at what a green roof actually is. Despite how it might sound, it's not really a roof that's painted green, but instead a roof that is either partially or entirely covered with vegetation and soil. There are two types of these green roofs, intensive and extensive. Extensive green roofs are thinner and have fewer plants, but they are easier to take care of. They generally have less than 150 millimetres of growing medium and usually between 75 to 100 mil. Intensive roofs, on the other hand, tend to be thicker and contain more vegetation and a wider variety of plant species. Some also allow for amenities such as seating spaces and outdoor recreation, barbecues, maybe growing some vegetables and herbs. They also do require more attention and maintenance, but they offer a greater benefit to the environment as well as to people and the people, particularly the people living in the building. Exactly what green roofs contain really depends on their location, the climate, the purpose, and what best benefits the biodiversity. They often contain plants like sedum, which is like a little succulent plant, ivy, and sometimes moss, depending on which climate they're in, flowers that help attract wildlife, and even trees, shrubs, and rooftop gardens or farms. When I was studying horticulture at Melbourne University at the Burnley campus, I remember they had just built the green roof on top of the staff building. And that was a great place to go and visit to analyze the different um, planting mediums and the different plants they had used. So it's a really great study site for people to learn more about green roofs. So if you're in Melbourne, go and check it out if you can. What does a typical green roof have in it? Now, of course, this will change depending on the type of project and what we're looking at, but mostly we have the vegetation. Then we have a layer of lightweight media. And in an extensive, we have less than 150 mils and in an intensive, we have more than 150 mils. Then you have a filter underneath the, the media to protect the media from going into the drainage. So it might be um, a net or a geofabric. And then we have a drainage or a drainage cell, which is typically made with uh, recycled high density polypropylene plastic. Uh, it can be different material as well. Then underneath the drainage, you have a protection layer, which stops the waterproof membrane from being damaged. This is the most important aspect to the green roof. We need to have a good waterproof membrane with no leaks. And then finally, we have irrigation. Depending on where the green roof is located, we'll determine what type of irrigation we're going to use and if or not we will use irrigation or not, or if we're just going to be relying on rain. What design considerations do we need to think about when it comes to a green roof? Firstly, we need to think about the season, the climate and the local environment. What's the weather like? How much does it rain? Will it be south-facing or north-facing? Will it be under snow for half of the year? Another important consideration is the weight loading. 
and the structural engineer will be your best friend in a project thinking about how much weight we can put on the roof legally and safely. So we have three different types of loads that we need to consider. We have the live load, which is the weight of people who will use the space and of all their equipment that will need to be used periodically on the site. For example, we're using it for maintenance. The other thing we need to consider is dead load, which is the final constructed weight of all the built elements and all the components associated with the roof or the wall, including plants, growing substrate, and any other water that might be held in the system. And then finally, we have to think about the transient load, which is the moving, rolling, or short-term loads, and that can include things like wind and seismic activity. The next consideration is drainage. And the type of drainage system will be matched to the roof construction. So we might have things like box gutters, which is near flat roofs, um, or eave gutters for pitched roofs, simple water sprouts, also known as scruppers, or outlets and box drains built into the roof. And what will happen to that water once it comes off the roof? Will it go into a tank, which is at ground level, that can then be used for irrigation, how does this system work? Then we have to think about irrigation. How much additional water is required will depend on many factors such as existing conditions, the plants in the green roof, and we can also consider water collection and storage opportunities, such as opportunities for delivery of irrigation water and for co-locating stored water with other grey water systems in the building. So the water tank might be at ground level, and then we're using that water for irrigation. The next thing we have to think about is the size and the structure of the green roof, the maintenance and the access. So how often will somebody have to access this roof and how will they maintain the roof? What equipment will they use and where will the equipment be stored? And then finally, we have to think about what the design objectives are of what we're trying to achieve with the design. There are four really main ideas around design objectives. So will the green roof design reduce stormwater runoff? Will it be for recreation and amenity so people can actually use the site? Will there be thermal benefits to the design so it will reduce the, the heat that radiates off the, the building roof or inside the building, reducing, therefore reducing our need to use air conditioning? Or will it be used for biodiversity to create habitat for animals or for the production of food? Something I found really useful when I was working and studying was the Melbourne Growing Green Guide. But different councils have different and different countries might have different guides. So I'll put a link to this in the show notes. It's a really good starting point. There's so much information in there, particularly if you are taking on a green roof project. As you can probably imagine, green roofs are one of the most effective ways to combat the negative effects of urbanization on the environment and can help reduce energy consumption, improve air quality and reduce stormwater runoff. And let's not forget that they also provide a natural haven within the urban environment that can benefit the overall health and well-being of the local population and encourage them to be involved with taking care of environments too. I once worked in a building 
where the outlook was to a green roof and it was such a different experience having a green roof outside so close to my office compared to just seeing concrete. Why are green roofs so popular? And how can they help reduce the effects of climate change? As I mentioned just a moment ago, green roofs have become increasingly popular because they can significantly mitigate the effects of climate change in a number of ways. The first benefit we see is with building owners. Building owners and developers are increasingly installing green roofs, walls or facades to add a point of difference, increase commercial returns, provide visual appeal and turn a building into a local landmark. The next we see are the environmental impacts. The fact is, is that they can reduce air pollution and greenhouse gas emissions. If you remember from your local science school classes, plants absorb carbon dioxide and release oxygen into the air. They can also absorb molecules in the air, reducing air pollution and greenhouse gas emissions, making our towns and cities cleaner for everyone. They're also excellent when it comes to controlling the temperature of our urban environments. As we know, towns and cities can become heat traps during summer months or when the temperature is high, otherwise known as the urban heat island effect. This is because of the high concentration of buildings that absorb heat and the lack of greenery that provides more shade and moisture. By adding green roofs, temperatures within towns and cities can be several degrees lower than they would otherwise be. This makes them much more comfortable places to live and work both inside and out and can reduce the impact that heat waves have on the population. With climate change posing an even greater threat, this could prove to be an essential element over the coming decades and centuries. Another benefit of green roofs is their ability to help us avoid flooding in urban environments. This is because they retain precipitation and can reduce stormwater runoff and filter any pollutants for a healthier and happier town or city environment. The next benefit is improved thermal performance. Of course, when we have our city temperatures under more control, we don't need to use as much air conditioning or heating. This means that we don't need to use as much energy and we can save a significant amount of money on heating and cooling costs. And finally, another benefit are the inclusion of green spaces, cooling the city and creating habitat. Additionally, green roofs help us feel better by adding more green space to our towns and cities and benefiting our physical and mental health. Many projects allow people to get involved in maintaining these spaces, building community connections, providing a sense of purpose and helping them to get back in touch with nature. With more green habitats, wildlife can benefit too, including birds and pollinating insects, which are vital to the survival of ecosystems around the world. Considering all the benefits to the environment, it's hardly surprising that Paris has created this new law. The city government has created a map to show where the green roofs have been built and are offering financial incentives to encourage private and public buildings to adopt them. But what else are they doing? What are the most exciting projects in Paris at the moment? Well, the first of these projects is Villa M. It's a stunning example of sinuous design with its mix of concrete, glass and steel structure overplanted with a rich botanical tapestry of living, breathing, medicinal vegetation on its facade and top. The team of Triptych Architecture, Philip Stark 
and Coloco has truly created a symbiosis between hospitality, healthcare, and biophilia at this mixed-use complex. They wanted to create, in their own words, a unique place in the world to build the health of tomorrow. Biodiversity and urban agriculture are combined at Villa M, and we see a landscape selection of medicinal and culinary edible plants. And this building sets a precedent to consider in the future, particularly in Paris. The second project is the Agropolis Urban Farm, which is the largest urban farm in the world, measuring 14,000 square metres and using state-of-the-art techniques. The project aims to create a green roof that doesn't only benefit the environment, but where they can grow fruits and vegetables to feed the local community. And finally, the third is a green roof created on top of the Beau-Grenel shopping centre. Covering 7,000 square metres, this urban meadow features a 40 centimetre layer of soil, rainwater, irrigation, and the addition of a wide variety of plants that attract insects and birds. It will become a haven for biodiversity, limit the temperature inside the building, and with the addition of nesting boxes and beehives can help boost sustainability and diversity within the natural Paris ecosystem. Thanks to this new law in Paris, the urban landscape is likely to change forever as we wave goodbye to the grey landscape and hello to a thriving green zone rich in biodiversity. Well, we hope. As I'm sure you'll agree, the new green roof law in Paris sets the stage for an exciting era in urban architecture and construction that helps us embrace the natural world, take steps towards combating the effects of climate change, and helps us to protect our wildlife and biodiversity for future generations. We've seen that these roofs can help improve air quality, reduce pollution, control the temperature in cities, reduce our energy consumption, and even help ease the impact that heavy rainfall has had on our urban spaces. When these spaces are used by the community and for the community, these benefits further multiply, making them an innovative, eco-friendly solution that helps us to create spaces that significantly benefit the human and animal population. Whether this green roof law is implemented in cities around the world remains to be seen. Basel in Switzerland took this step back in 2002. Toronto in Canada followed suit in 2009, whilst other cities like San Francisco ask that 15 to 30% of roof space on new buildings must incorporate solar panels, green roofs, or both. Either way, the future will be significantly greener if we embrace this green revolution and transform our urban spaces, just like in Paris. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. As always, thanks for listening to the Think Big English for Architects podcast. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you subscribe for more English tips for architects and share with someone who you think might find it useful. Remember that you can find the free podcast transcript with key vocabulary, grammar points and useful expressions at archieenglish.com slash podcast. Until next time.